So hello all and welcome to Foul Puck, a sports ball podcast for the rest of us. I am Rebecca. I'm the resident hockey fan and I'll be your host today. Uh, As a follow-up to our first episode, which went live last week, yay! We're going to unpack some emotions around the wildcard game that happened last week (laughs) and get into our baseball etiquette fact of the day. And then we also have some current events and a historical sports event that legitimately made me cackle when I read it. Uh, So, yeah, it was I I hope you guys enjoyed as much as I did. (laughs) Uh, So first off, I would love for my co-hosts to introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Rachel. I'm your baseball guru. Yay, baseball guru. I'm Nancy. I am your uh, resident basketball fan. Uh, and I apologize in advance. I'm getting over the world's most obnoxious cold, which means that I will probably cough a bit. And also, I don't sound great. But it's fine. I'm just going to persevere, much like uh, all the uh, sports teams have persevered to yes. the very end. Yes. And we will. <laughs> With mixed results. And but your, your cough yeah. will simply test my editing skills on the back end. <laughs> That's right. That's why I did it. It was for you, Rebecca. Thank you, Nancy. I was thinking of the team. So so kind. Yes, yeah, so kind. All right. Mm, so we'll yeah. just get right into it. Um, so recording. We are recording this on Monday the seventh, and this past week was the wild card game between the Tampa Bay Rays and the Oakland Athletics. And so what I understand this to mean is that they were two of the top teams who were essentially vying for the or one of the last spots in the postseason. Um, so I'll be honest, I didn't watch the game live because it was the Capitals opener, uh, and I I had to watch (laughs) my hockey. Um, but I, I did watch it yesterday and I knew, I knew the final result. I didn't know the score, but I knew the result. And so when the Rays were up like four, nothing, that's when I checked the final score. And I was like, "Mm, I think I might stop watching this now. Um, but but since this is your team, Rachel, I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce this one over to you. Tell us how you're feeling. <laughs> Poorly. <laughs> um, I know I have had some time to process it. Um, it's just just super frustrating, um, especially because it's very similar to what happened last year. Mm. Um, they were also in the wild card game against the Yankees, and the score then was what six to two, seven to two, and it was it was a, just a very similar thing where they just they they got behind early and they could never mount a comeback, and you know to watch history all over again was just <sighs> very frustrating. Yeah, <laughs> poor Rachel. Yeah, so so I watched maybe the first three innings. And that was that was the point that I then checked out. Uh, for for those of you who are not in the know, the the sadness here is because the athletics lost. Um, so I do I do have a couple questions. This was the first time I had watched baseball in quite some time. So there was some mm-hmm. new um, uh, features, I'll say, in the broadcast <laughs> that I wasn't aware of. So. There was one, or there was a couple times there was a view. Oh, and I took a picture, which I can show you too. And uh, <laughs> the audience playing along at home is just going to have to imagine. So there was this. Maybe we can put it on the website or something. Listen, you media. and your logic. Yeah. So there was this view Mm-mm-mm. of the field, right? And ah, yes. Mm-hmm. Right, and so so it's a it's a view of the field. I'm trying to show it without a glare on here. Um, that shows. Yes. Um, 
almost like a pie chart or a section of a pie um, in the in inside the foul lines, and then there are percentages and green, yellow, red. Can you explain to me this chart? Chart chart yes, isn't even the is right a, word. Uh, um, I'm not sure what they, it's not a spray chart, but it's a, it's showing hitting percentages, and basically for each for you know one particular hitter, how often they hit to various sides of the field. So if it's red, okay. the hitter does not hit there very often. If it's green, the hitter does hit there very oh. often. And it becomes very important for defense. Um, I don't know if you heard them talk about the shift at all in your brief time. No. But if a hitter very often hits, like the, the diagram you showed me, it looked like the hitter almost always hits to left field. Right. So what they'll do is they'll shift the infield defense over to the left side of the field. Okay. So you'll have um, the third baseman and the shortstop playing you know, over to their side, over to the left side, and they'll have the second baseman usually come over to the, the third base side of second base, which is unusual because usually okay. they'll be playing on the first base side. Okay. Um, so that's, yeah, that's just to show a, a visual representation of where the hitter often hits. So that's fascinating because that's completely counterintuitive as to the way it looks, right? Because it says on the, uh, this was uh, Matt Olson's uh, uh-huh. spray chart. Um, I kind of want to call it his ball chart, but that doesn't feel right. <laughs> um, so it has the, you know, the the area to the right of the pitcher's mound to first base accounts for uh-huh. 71%. And the area from the left of the pitcher's mound to the left only accounts for 8%. So that feels... Oh. But maybe this I, is I'm backwards for you because the... we're... <laughs> I could probably find a better no, way to say it's the right to way. Um, yeah, and Matt Olson is a lefty, so he usually hits to right field. So the colors are swaps from what I was thinking. Okay. Um, maybe it's red in that it's from the defender's point of view, so Matt Olson doesn't want to hit into mm. that okay. area. Okay. I just tweeted it to you if you if you want to look at it. I should have done that in advance, but um, I, uh, it, it was that one of those. Makes sense though, right, Rachel? Because you would like you would um, if you're if you're a lefty. Because when I play softball, I, I switch it. Um, um, I'm actually more accurate hitting left-handed, but the problem is I then hit it like immediately to either the first or second baseman because you yes, turn. typically that way so so yeah if Matt Olson's a lefty maybe that's okay so part of the challenge for him is we're gonna it the other direction we're yeah. gonna have to step back for a second left-handed versus right-handed batting yes so in in my head I don't know if this is correct or at all in my uh in my brain I'm picturing a left-handed batter with their left hand towards the their left side towards the pitcher's mound is that incorrect correct no it's the other say it again oh. So yeah, say it again. <laughs> so if I'm a left-handed batter, so uh-huh. my left side is to the pitcher. Uh, no, opposite. That is opposite. The other okay. Way. Okay. So so your dominant hand is like the backhand on the bat. Yes. Correct. Okay. All right. Okay. So you say um, this guy is a Matt Olson is a left-handed. Yes. Hitter. So then his right side is going to be 
towards the pitcher's mound, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. then means more of his more of his action is going to go towards the right side of the field. Yes, because right. his bat's towards coming first around base. towards okay. the right side of the field. Okay, all right. Which is a disadvantage because then it's easier if they catch it right. you know, at first or second or in the outfield to get it to first base. Right. It's just a faster thing. So, yeah. So our, well, less so in the major leagues because they can whip it on over from third base. I suppose that's pretty true. fast. In, in our lowest level intramural softball league, <laughs> it's more of a yes. disadvantage. Affirmative. So are, are most batters lefties or righties? Uh, the majority, well, that's a good question. I think the slight majority are righties. Um, okay. But a lot of people who are even um, right-handed uh, to write with will learn, try to learn very early on to bat lefty. Okay. Because um, there are fewer lefties in, like, lower leagues, I think, so you can distinguish yourself by being a good left-handed hitter. Okay. And there's a whole, like handedness of the hitter versus handedness of the pitcher kind of matchup because I always get these backwards so I'm not going to say which is which but you know certain batters can see the the ball coming out of the pitcher's hand better if they're batting one way versus the other okay well and also isn't it supposed to be harder for a pitcher to throw to a batter who is batting the opposite of what they're pitching so like a right-handed pitcher has a harder time pitching to a left-handed batter and vice versa. Isn't that right, Rachel? Yes, that's the thing I always mix up, though. Um, <laughs> who, when, when the pitcher has the advantage of handedness versus when the batter does. Oh, so, okay. But in the later innings, when you see them bring in um, a pitcher for, like, one or two batters, often mm-hmm. it's because um, they, call, they call that pitcher a loogie, a left-handed one-out guy. L O O G Y is how it's spelled. But, okay. Um, like they'll bring in one pitcher for one left-handed batter. Um, now that hmm. strategy might change next season because of new rules, but for right now, that's kind of what they do. Hmm. Um, okay, so I do have a couple of questions about this specific game. So okay, yes. In the top of the second, and again, I I ask these questions as having not actually watched a game of baseball in. I don't know why I'm looking at the clock in 15 years. <laughs> um, so at the at the top of the second, there was a pop fly that hit the wall and bounced back into the field. So, mm-hmm. and look at me using the term pop fly like I know what it means. There was a yeah. ball. Somebody hit the ball. It was very convincing. Um, and just nobody caught it. So... Normally, and that was counted as a uh, a home run. So was that just okay, a case yeah. of because it was over the normal, the normal like height of a fence, that it yes. counts as a home run, Is even that though the one it bounced that hit back by in? the holy, hit by the holy Toledo sign. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so every ballpark, there's a wall, and it's it's different for every ballpark. Okay. Um, but there's because um, sometimes even if it yeah if it hits the wall and bounces back in, if it hits over a certain point, it's considered out of the park. It's okay. Done. Yeah. Okay. Because I got mad at that guy for not even attempting to catch the ball. <laughs> <laughs> I got really invested in just like two innings. <laughs> <laughs> well, most of the action was in 
two innings, well, unfortunately. It's the first two yeah. innings, true. Um, yeah, I should give a quick recap. If you didn't watch the game, um, they put uh, athletics pitcher Sean Manaya in at the beginning, and he's been great. He recently came back from um, shoulder surgery. He's been doing really well. Um, they didn't expect him to come back, did they? They did. Um, oh, okay. They've been expecting him all season, um, but he's been doing really well. And it was it was a choice between him and another pitcher named Mike Fires. Um, and so now, of course, all the Monday morning quarterbacks are saying, you know, why didn't they start Fires? And who knows what it would have happened if they started Fires? But um, I think it was the right decision to go with Sean Manaya, and he had a bad day, and it was poorly timed. Um, but what are you gonna do? So yeah, um, the the Rays were able to score four runs in the first two innings, and that was just very dispiriting <laughs> to the A's and the A's fans, and Rachel specifically, and me, <laughs> and the guy you, behind me in the stadium. I was gonna say, were both of you at the game? <laughs> we were. Yeah, yes. we we went. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was a, a very cool experience. Less cool because of the end result, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm very glad we got to go. It was mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was they uh, broke we an attendance record. Anyway. Oh wow! Yep. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Fifty four thousand and five people. Yes, it was uh, uh, us and our fifty four thousand and two closest friends. <laughs> uh, That's awesome. And I I did the math because so I I don't know if our listeners know but I grew up in a rural area of the country and so every so I mean I've lived in a metropolitan area for like 13 years now but but every so often I'm reminded exactly like how big where I live now is versus where I grew up mm-hmm. and so the math is that uh, you, the number of people in the uh, <clears throat> in the ballpark for that game is not quite four of my hometowns. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah, just sit with that for a minute. That, that is a small hometown. Ooh. It was and the I second biggest that... one around. <laughs> <laughs> so I found out that Mount Davis, which is the third level of the Coliseum seating, which uh, I looked mm-hmm. it up. I know Nancy had a question about that. Um, so I this, did. This third top level is called Mount Davis, and usually they keep a tarp over it. Um, well, it right. turns out, so the uh, A's share the Coliseum with the Oakland Raiders, uh, which at the moment is kind of fraught because they're trying to move out of town again. Um, the Raiders being a f- the local football team. The football team, yes. So are, they are left, they the ones talking about moving to Vegas? They are. They have signed contracts okay. to move to Vegas. The question is but they when, have not moved. and it's been... Yeah, they have not moved. They signed the contract like a couple years ago. It's been a big, big deal. I say good riddance. They can't leave soon enough for me. But, <laughs> but other people have other opinions. Mm-hmm. So they They're left once wrong, before. But... <laughs> they left once before in 1982. Um, and then in 1995, as a way to draw them back, the city of Oakland signed a deal with their owner, Al Davis, to add that third level uh... of seating. So it's named Mount Davis after him, um, not unfortunately a, a, after Chris Davis, who you know I was hoping to find out hit a home run up there once, but no. Um, I mean, Rachel, so, yeah, you do you do now have your own podcast. You could start that rumor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to be careful about starting rumors though. That was pretty easily debunked. <laughs> so, 
I have some others in the works. I'll, I'll let okay. you know. Okay, good, good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So they usually keep Mount Davis covered with a tarp. Um, actually, last year for the Battle of the Bay, which is the Giants, San Francisco Giants versus Oakland Athletics uh, game that they have every year, it was the first time they'd opened it in like a decade. Mm. Um, and they mm. did it again this year for the, the specifically the Battle of the Bay's games. And then they did it for the wild card game. And it was really full. I mean, it was really cool to be in the, because the, the ballpark goes all the way around. Like, they're seating the whole way um, around. And mm-hmm. it was really neat to be sitting where we were and be able to look, you know, to your left and to your right and straight across and just, like, you know, high-rise stadium seating all the way up. That's like, pretty cool. It yeah. was a cool experience. Yeah, yeah for sure. And anyway, uh, Mount Davis sits about 20,000 people. So how many of your hometown can fit in Mount Davis alone? Uh, that would be like 1.2 or 1.3. My hometown, when I left it, was about 14,000. So Wow. So the whole thing could fit up in Mount Davis. That's pretty yeah. amazing. And still could. I think they're only up to like 17,000 now. I've been gone 20 years. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So I I have a hypothetical for you. And if you don't want to address it because it hurts too much, that's fine. I totally understand. Because <laughs> I, I get the feeling of being knocked out before the playoffs or of the playoffs. So in the bottom of the first, um, the A's had bases loaded. And yeah. Jerickson they moved did. out of the way of being hit by the ball. <laughs> So I would just like to posit to you, what if he got hit by the ball? What do you, how do you think that would have changed mm. the game? Um, or I do mean, you think it would have changed it? It's so hard to say, you know? Um, and it feels like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but um, very subjective point, but that like since there's so much time in baseball you know it's not a fast-paced one thing after the other after the other kind of game there's more time for like attitude and you know kind of the feeling in the stadium to have an effect so you know if they hadn't gotten behind so early you know if they'd been able to come back with like at least one run uh, there in the first and tied it up would they have been able to you know, get more going offensively. It's impossible to say, but it does, there was definitely a mood in the stadium, um, you know, because the first batter up hit a home run mm-hmm. for the for the Rays. And that was, um, <laughs> yeah, that's not what you want to have happen. No. You don't want that leadoff batter against you hitting a home run. So, you know, I can't say. I would. I wish it had been the alternative. You know, you don't like to hope that anybody gets hit by a pitch. But right. I believe the guy behind me, who knew exactly what the A's should be doing and uh, yes, informed he them did. of it, uh-huh. uh, did think that Profar should have leaned into that and gotten hit and uh, brought home a run. But also, you know, I don't think you can discount the fight or flight response when you oh. have a ninety-plus mile an hour ball hurtling at you. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a thing, right? Yeah. Like, like people yeah. getting hit by the pitch, like, they can get seriously injured. Yes. So, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. I guess it's like, you could say, well, it's the end of the season. He should have just taken it and then recovered. But, like, <laughs> that's a lot to ask. Oh, absolutely. It is. Well, and, it is. Say, and it's going against your hardwired response. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. And watching it on TV, uh, the announcers were saying that the crowd was booing after he didn't get hit. 
and you could see his face. I know. I, I don't know that you oh. were there. I don't know if the crowd was actually booing. Maybe the announcers were just saying that for they fun were, or sport. They, I interpret it as booing the pitcher. Oh, for yeah. almost okay. hitting him. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, but I swear you could see that moment of regret in his eyes when he realized that he could have gotten hit and gotten a run in. I'm sure. Yeah. But I could be and, romanticizing you know, afterward, the situation. You know, it, it, that's very true. You know, afterward he could have... But like the logic came in and thinking, oh, you know, right. I could have easily gotten run in. But in that moment, you know, I, I cannot blame him for getting out of the way. No, no, absolutely not. No, I'm totally with you and, on that one. Yeah, I mean, it would have kept the inning going and it would have certainly would have been nice. But, you know. Yeah. All right, Rachel, any final thoughts about the game, the season? Do you have any thoughts on who's in the playoffs now? Who do you want to win? Or do you just want everyone to implode now that your team doesn't have a chance? <laughs> yeah, well, all the teams I don't like seem to be winning since Ooh, then. I'm sorry. So, Are um, the Cardinals yeah. still in, Rachel? They were the other day. Yes, I haven't checked the Cardinals versus the Braves um, record. I know Cardinals won the first game. Um, and I just I kind of took a break from baseball. After one That's day. fair. That's totally, totally um, fair. So I haven't. I know that the the uh, Astros are ahead uh, two games to zero against the Rays, which is a shame because right, like if the A's that. can't be in it, I would like a Florida team to win. But it looks like they're about to be squished by the Astros. All right. Um, is this uh, section of the playoffs uh, best of five or best of seven? Yes, this first round with the top eight teams is best of is a best of five series. Okay. Uh, the other two, the. Um, the championship series and the world series are both seven okay. game series. Okay. So yeah, Astros lead two nothing. Against Braves the Rays. Lead um, Dodgers lead two nothing. No, I'm sorry. Dodgers lead two one against the Nationals. Yeah. And uh, nobody outside of Los Angeles likes the Dodgers. So true. So we can root for the Nationals here. Yes. Okay. Because the, um, the Capitals are rooting for the Nationals, so I would love to root for the Nationals. Since, see, my office literally has a uh, Slack bot set up that anytime anybody says Dodgers, it automatically responds "Beat LA." <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> nice. that's amazing. Yep. Yeah, it's and good. then the Yankees are up two games over Boo. the uh, Minnesota Twins. Yeah, and the Boo. Yankees just like. They think they're better than everyone else. They're not a whole lot of teams that I don't like, uh, you know, actively dislike, but mm -hmm. uh, the Dodgers and the Yankees are two of them. And then the Astros, because they always beat the mm -hmm. A's, and there's some fishy tactics. We'll get into that. So, okay, now <laughs> out of these eight, eight teams, yes. Uh, which, is, which is East and West, so which will play each other in the next round? Or... Okay, so the winner of St. Louis and Atlanta Braves uh -huh. will play uh, the winner of Washington Nationals and L.A. Dodgers. Okay. Mm. So that's the National League. Okay. And then the American League, the winner of the Astros versus the Rays, will play the winner of the Twins versus the Yankees. Okay. So, so as a podcast team, we can say we're rooting for a Nationals-Rays World Series. Yes, I want the Cardinals in here. Oh, I got to plug for okay. the Cardinals. That's guys. fair. Sorry, 
I'll just mute the you. Well, three the Cardinals have the best chance right now. So. Oh, okay. Oh, really? Oh, awesome. Yeah. Okay. And now, when was the last time Well, that's time one the for Cardinals... each of us. Rachel's for the yes. Rays, Rebecca's for the Nationals, <laughs> yes. Alka for the Cardinals. When was we'll the probably last time all the end up disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. It's fine. It's fine. I don't think it's been very long since the Cardinals were <clears throat> did pretty well. Uh, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, but... Okay. Well, they were always middling when I was growing up, and they were the closest team to, you know, like, the very bottom of Illinois. Yeah. Everybody thinks you always go for the Chicago teams, but it's not true because it's so far away. Right. So, like, yeah. St. Louis teams made more sense for us in a lot of ways. So, it's, you know. Gotcha. Well, they have a former Marlin named Marcelo Zuna, so I'll be happy if he, he's able to Excellent. advance in the postseason. So, yeah. I like it. Very good. Got, I got very no good. problem with the Cardinals. Okay. Yay. Good. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, it's yeah. it's very much looking like it'll be Astros, Yankees, and Dodgers, and then, you know, mm-hmm. whoever from uh, Atlanta, St. Louis prevails. We'll see. Okay. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on uh, baseball, but yep. our, our hearts are sad. And I, I feel for you, Rachel. I really do. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. All right, uh, for our next segment, Rachel, are you ready for our strange baseball etiquette fact? Sure. Okay. Uh, So this one, we're going to look at the fact that managers should back their players up on bad calls. And I don't think we had any of this. No, we definitely didn't have any of this in the uh, wild card game. But uh, um, so Rebecca, as you may or may not know, sometimes uh, after the umpire makes a call and the players are unhappy with it, the manager will actually come out of the dugout and uh, begin to have words with the umpire. Uh, so in general, arguing with the umpire doesn't actually do a damn bit of good. Uh, calling for a replay review is possible in many situations, uh, but that's simply a matter of the manager, the head coach is called the manager in baseball, uh, raising a hand in the air to signal a challenge. However, if you're out of challenges or the play isn't reviewable, uh, sometimes you'll see the manager physically exit the dugout, come onto the field, and begin arguing with the ump. 99% of the time when the manager comes out of the dugout, they have no illusions that they're going to change the umpire's mind, uh, even with the most eloquent and devastating debate. That's just not how the system works. However, like Sisyphus rolling that boulder up his hill, the manager (laughs) must argue... It's a true exercise in existentialism, where the outcome is writ and the process futile, yet we must find meaning in it somehow. (laughs) It's more of a show of support than anything else. In the cage match of player versus umpire, the manager must back the player without question, even if the manager didn't get a good look at the player pitch in question. Even if the manager disagrees with the player. It's likely most of the time the manager is genuinely attempting to make good points, dutifully playing the role of the coach who just can't even with this guy. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. However, if the managers were miked, I'd imagine you'd hear a bit of, I have no problem with your call. It's probably right. You had a better view than I did, in a tone that doesn't match their body language. (laughs) Because even if it means an ejection, and sometimes it does, the manager has to back up their player on a bad call. And them's the rules. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think you see some of this in basketball, too. I know Steve Kerr has occasionally, not infrequently, in fact, Uh, gotten technical fouls um, for arguing with the refs over something uh, that you know one of his players did and I think it makes a lot of sense because you really want to you really do want to have that sense of like you know your coach has your back right Mm -hmm. and maybe later objectively you'll realize that 
that you were wrong or like maybe there was some gray area but in that moment it really is very meaningful I think to a player to have their coach come out and be like no my guy is right my person is correct and you the official don't know what the hell you're talking <laughs> about and I'm going to explain it to you in no uncertain terms right now in hockey some of this is taken up by the role of the captain so your captain is on the ice and they might be the one who goes and talks to the ref Mm. to say hey ref what's going on why are you penalizing my guy or why aren't you penalizing one of theirs so even if the coach can't do anything um, you have that captain there to kind of stand Mm -hmm. up for you and to um, you know fight for your your side of things now not sure that actually does anything or changes anything, but interesting. Yeah. Well, plus you well, can't have the uh, the uh, coach of a hockey team storm out on the ice. Uh, <laughs> it true. would be pretty funny. Well, but so ba- basketball and baseball don't have team captains, though. So I wonder if that's part of the the difference. I mean, it, you often will have somebody who sort of is the lead player in some way I mean with the Warriors we always talk about they're Steph Curry's Warriors but it's not any sort of official role and Mm -hmm. if he's not there Steve Kerr still is and Steve Kerr is the coach yeah I I know in baseball it's very uh maybe another another etiquette role uh that uh you know players other players don't get involved if one player has a a problem with the Mm -hmm. ref unless it's to hold the player back Oh, see, and that's not basketball at all. The uh, the rest of the team will definitely come and join in the discussion. <laughs> the next thing I wanted to bring up was in the world of football. So um, I checked in with our resident football consultant, um, who I think our listeners will, will meet in the next couple of weeks, Brittany. And I said, Brittany, what do I need to know about Deshaun Watson? And she said, you mean besides the fact that he fucking killed it today? So Sean Watson, excuse me, Deshaun Watson plays for the Houston Texans. And uh, yesterday he had a career outing. He had, um, he threw for 426 yards, which is 50% of his total passing yards throughout the rest of the season prior to this. So in the post-game presser, one of the... Um, members of the media asked him basically what allowed you to have such success specifically when targeting Will Fuller. So the clip goes on for a minute and 20 seconds after that question with Watson breaking down the positions and plays, strategies, blitz zone packages, diamond two, zero rats, no safety in the middle. And I mean, obviously I have no idea what I'm talking about or what he's talking about. Um, but I loved this this idea and the the ability that he has or the freedom that he has to do this kind of very specific breakdown of what was going on on the field at the time. Um, I think we have this image of athletes as being big, dumb jocks, and they're not. Um, so giving the players the freedom to do this kind of thing in a press conference and show just exactly how smart they are and strategic they are and whatever else I just thought was amazing. Um, he ended the the statement with by saying that they were locked in on each and every play and made sure 
that we knew exactly what they were doing. And I really felt like in 99% of cases, the player would have just said that last sentence without the minute and 15 seconds before it. But the way he broke everything down that was happening on the field made you really believe that last piece. That's really cool because, yeah, you don't see that a lot. It's very, you know, in, and in the post-game interviews, I, I can't blame them because, you know, they're tired and somebody sticks a, a microphone in their face. I don't know how long after mm-hmm. the game this was. But, yeah, that's really neat because there are also, you know, even though we don't understand the complexities of it, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of, you know, all the way from Pee Wee Football League up to, to college players who are like, oh, oh, yeah, probably learned something from that. So that's really neat. I feel like you get that a little bit sometimes with some of the Warriors. If you catch them in the right mood, both Draymond Green and Andre Iguodala will give you a little bit more information about what goes on in their heads. And they're both famously very, very smart, particularly about defense. Um, They're the kind of guys who just always know what's happening and who should be where, and they're seeing things several steps ahead of literally everybody else. Um, they won't do it too often um, for all of the reasons that most guys, you know, most people don't do it. Um, you know, it's reporters only have so long. It's after the game. They're tired. They want to go, you know. Um, but, yeah, anytime you get that, I always think it's just so fascinating because we do have this this stereotype in our culture, right, that, like, the dumb jock, right? Yeah. And, like, I went to high school with a few of those. I'm not going to say they don't exist, but, like, Every genre of person has the dumb whatever, you know, like they're dumb band nerds too. Like I'm here to tell you they exist. But like we have this sense that pro athletes, and you see it a lot, I think, in political seasons too, when people start telling athletes, you know, they should not have a political opinion. Mm, They should just stay in their lane. They should just play the game, right? Because we have this perception that they're just too stupid to know what's going on and like all they're good for is going out and performing this feat of athletic prowess and first of all it's not true and second of all it's really devaluing to the actual intellectual rigors of the games themselves because like Mm -hmm. yeah on some level hockey is just going out and like whacking a thing with a stick sure but when you're playing it at that level there's a lot of strategy. The same thing with basketball. Yeah, sure, put the ball in the hoop. Okay, yes, fine. <laughs> but but there's so much more to it than that, and there's so much more than, you know, certainly than I get. Um, and then, honestly, I think anybody other than the people on the court get. Um, so, yeah, I, yeah, I love it when, when players will will lay things out like that and actually talk about their own thought processes and, like, what they're actually doing out there. I find it fascinating. Mm-hmm. I wonder, though, from a media point of view, like, if they're just looking for a soundbite, you know, um, and how they feel from a media perspective about, you know, an answer like that, um, you would hope it would be positive, but I don't know. I, I mean, I think, you know, you don't go into sports journalism because you're not interested in sports, right? Like, I would assume that at least most of the people there asking questions are genuinely interested in the answers, especially if they're not the same 15 second soundbite. Yeah. Well, I, I guess I was thinking in terms of like broadcast and like we want a soundbite mm. to be able to play at the head of this, you know, mm-hmm. package. Mm-hmm. But it does make sense that, you know, it'd be nice to have something to break down for a longer segment. So 
I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so my my next piece of current events is very exciting. Uh, in the WNBA, the Washington Mystics are mm-hmm. one win away from their first championship. Oh, awesome. Um, so they play Tuesday, tomorrow, and are scheduled to play Thursday, depending on the outcome of Tuesday's game. So hopefully by the time our listeners hear this, the tournament will be uh, over, and hopefully the Mystics will have their first championship title in hand. That's super exciting. Yeah, yeah, very exciting. All right, any current events on your ends? Yeah, so it is now um, the basketball and uh, hockey preseason. Uh, um, so the Warriors and the Sharks have both had some games. Uh, the Sharks <laughs> have played uh, four games now. Uh and they have so lost. So it's actually hockey regular season. All of them, yeah, that's right. The first game was preseason, but okay. now it's regular season. My bad. Yeah. Uh, the first three games were against the Golden Knights, uh, which is a real grudge match these days. Um, <laughs> and they did not go well uh, at all for the Sharks. And then it mm-hmm. uh, looks like they played the Ducks on Saturday and lost there as well. So. There's a lot. I was reading some articles talking about, like, um, I'm a little behind. I've been out of town at a conference and haven't been caught up on on anything, really. But I I was reading uh, um, a mailbag article that had a bunch of questions. And one of the things that it was asking um, was uh, basically, uh, should the Sharks be trying to get other players at this point um, and the answer was kind of like well let's give it a couple more games and let it settle but 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 maybe <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know it's it, it's not looking good I I love the sharks but I, I'm I'm I was telling Rachel I think I texted Rachel and said you know I'm just gonna settle in for like a lazy season with both the sharks and the warriors <laughs> yeah let's keep that we'll keep that expectation chill. bar nice and low <laughs> just, yeah, we'll just be happy when they occasionally win because the Warriors mm-hmm. are in the same boat. Uh, they had their first preseason game uh, against the Lakers. They lost 123-101. to They're playing the Timberwolves on Thursday and then the Lakers again next week twice. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, the, the, it's there's a lot of debate over whether the Warriors are going to make the playoffs this year or not because the West is really competitive. Um, mm-hmm. The West, Western mm-hmm. Conference is more competitive than the Eastern Conference by far. It's been true for a few years. Um, and so ha- to get into the top eight teams in the Western Conference and make it to the playoffs, you have to have like a mid-50s win percentage, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Or like, mm, yeah, at least low 50s. I want to say I don't remember what the what the eighth seed last year had. But it's really very questionable if the Warriors are going <laughs> to pull that off. They might. They might do it. Clay Thompson, who's one of their best players, uh, is out definitely until the All-Star break in February because he had surgery. Uh, oh, yeah. When he comes back, maybe they'll go on a winning streak. Maybe one of their new players will decide to be really good. Maybe one of the mm-hmm. other teams will like get food poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> 
maybe I, don't, I mean, you know, as with all sports, it's also somewhat dependent on what happens with other teams, right? Other yeah. teams have a really good sure. season. Other teams self-destruct. Like, But it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. And, of course, the Warriors are now in the shiny new uh, Chase Center across the Bay in San Francisco. So they, oh, yeah. oh. Right, they just opened their brand new, um, new arena with... You know, and then they started losing. <laughs> yeah, and then they started losing exactly, and then they lost KD and lost Clay to an injury, and we're gonna see oh. how how much uh, Steph Curry and Draymond Green can uh, really hold it together, I guess. <laughs> well, I I do feel you on the hockey front because the Stars are are opening up their season zero and three as well. Oh, bummer. So yeah, so we're tied right there at the bottom. Nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the it's only way to feel the only place you can go from the bottom is up. So <laughs> it's true. It's true. And and I would be remiss if I didn't point out that the St. Louis Blues were last in the league as of That's January last right. year and went on to you win the Stanley correct. Cup. Oh, yeah. That's right. So yeah. literally anything can happen in this bizarro sport. Yep. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So just so you all know, um, in terms of basketball, if the Warriors are not doing well, which We'll see. Uh, we, you are you are both contractually obligated uh, to root for the Portland Trailblazers as your backup Western team. Okay, so okay. I can do that. All right, thank you. Just wanted to let you know because one of their star players, Damian <laughs> Damian Lillard, is from Oakland and he's really very good and very nice. So okay, and they did okay. pretty good and last is, year. So is Steph Curry's brother still on the Trailblazers? I don't. I'm not sure if he is this season or not. Seth Curry. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. But that would be another right, reason Rachel? to root for him. <laughs> yes. What's up? Do you have any current events you want to talk about, or are we just mourning? Uh, Should we just put a black veil? Yeah. <laughs> We've been over some of the current events, though. I mean, it's currently mm-hmm. all playoff games all the time. So. Yep. I did okay. uh, want to give a quick shout out to a, uh, a college player. Uh, Nancy and I uh, traveled to Oxnard recently, and uh, we ended up meeting the parents of uh, the uh, Tuskegee University football team long snapper. Uh, and I looked up his oh, name because I, I didn't remember right. his name. So shout out to Johnny Fuentes. You have a great family. Oh we wish you the best of luck this season. That's right. We do. I can't believe you looked him up. That's so great, Rachel. That's cool. Yes, best of luck to Tuskegee and John Fuentes. That's awesome. They were very proud. It was really sweet. Like, we yes. hung out and talked to them for a little bit. They told us all about it. They were very, very invested in his success. So it was great. Oh, that's lovely. It was, yeah. Okay, so uh, I'm going to start our wrap-up with the uh, On This Day in uh, Sports. Mm -hmm. And I chose on this actual day, October 7th, um, I I found the the basic fact itself from (laughs) onthisday.com. They have a whole sports section. And then I got details from Wikipedia. So the, the headline that I saw was On This Day in 1916, the Georgia Tech engineers beat the Cumberland Bulldogs 222 to zero, making it the most lopsided game in college football history. Wow. wow. So, so some background, Cumberland College uh, in Tennessee 
had uh, ended its football program before that academic year and before that season started. But they were not allowed to cancel their game against the engineers. (laughs) Uh Um, Basically, the coach of the engineers, who was... um, uh, Shoot. Who was... What? Mm-hmm. Okay, the coach of the uh, Georgia Tech engineers, John Heisman, basically he wrote to uh, the Cumberland Athletic Department and said, I offer you the sum of $500 and an all-expenses-paid trip to Atlanta for your football team on the condition that you honor your contract by participating in and completing the Cumberland-Georgia Tech football game. However, if this offer is refused, I shall be forced to demand that your school reimburse the Tech Athletic Department in the amount of $3,000 for losses from the projected net gain receipts. That's wow. $3,000 so, in 1916 money. Yeah, dang. Right? Yeah, $3,000 in 1916 is about $70,000 now. Wow. So, and, and the $500 that he offered to pay them is about uh, $12,000 now. So Cumberland's baseball team had crushed Georgia Tech 22 to nothing earlier that year. Um, and so they, the speculation is that Heisman um, insisted on the game because he knew they were going to crush them, um, insisted on the game um, and, and aimed for a score that, you know, ended or started with 22 because of the 22-0 <laughs> oh, loss. Wow. Yeah. Um, So the team was, um, the Cumberland team was led by George Allen, who apparently was some like friend of politicians later in his life. Um, He was elected at Cumberland to serve as the student manager um, and put together a team of 12 to 16 players, most of whom were his fraternity brothers. So. After the first quarter, Georgia Tech led by 63 to 0, 126 to 0 at halftime, uh, 54 more points in the third, 42 in the, in the fourth period. Um, by the end, Heisman relented and shortened the third and fourth quarters from 15 minutes to 12. That's amazing. <laughs> yes. Wow. And then to bring it all around to present day, this is the same John Heisman was, of the Heisman Trophy, okay, say, which familiar. is now given, yep, now given to the player voted the season's most outstanding collegiate player. Wow. 222 to zero. <laughs> oh, at halftime, he told his players, you're doing all right, team. We're ahead. But you just can't tell what those Cumberland players have up their sleeves. <laughs> they may spring a surprise yet. Be alert, men. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and I hope you can understand why I didn't look too much harder for a uh, yeah. on this day no sport right. event because Thank you, I uh, could not pass that one up. You knocked it out of the park. Could not. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, um, hopefully you guys will join us next time on uh, on another episode of Foul Puck. Um, in the meantime, you can find us at Foul Puck Pod on Twitter. Foul Puck Pod on Instagram, 
Foul Puck Podcast on Facebook and SoundCloud. Basically, just look for a mix of those words on all of the plat- all of the platforms, and you can find us there. And we have a website um, too. And for now, so that we can. Uh, oh, that's right. We should put up some more watch-alongs because um, we did officially yes. announce the watch-along for the for the wild card game, but then I, you know I don't know that we did a very good job uh, promoting it. So. We should we should try and do yeah. like at least a watch along a month I think yeah um, and that's then, a good idea yeah that'd be fun and give folks some warning yeah. and and that'll be fun yeah if you two want to watch along the stars and the capitals are playing tomorrow night okay and I will be at that game and it will hurt my soul mm. like it does every time yeah okay <laughs> so slap that up on uh, on a Twitter and I will try to make a note I don't know if I'll be able to watch it live but I will try to watch it that totally week. understand nice awesome. Okay. All right. Well, signing off, I have been Rebecca. I've been Rachel. And I have been and continue to be Nancy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll see you next time on Foul Puck.